So if it's your first time here, I mean, we said, we talked about this a few weeks ago. God knows who's going to be here, so he wanted you here. But if it's your first time here and you feel like, man, this is like throwing me in the deep water, it totally is. So I would encourage you to go back online and kind of catch up. It kind of builds. It's a big step for all of us to take, but I recognize that if you only came for like lesson two or lesson three and now you're back, then this could be like, oh, my goodness. How did, I mean, can't we go back to like Jesus loves me, this I know, or can't we go back to like, you know, you know snugglies? And, you know, this is one of those challenging messages for all of us, no matter how long you've been or how short of a time you've been a believer. If we all want to know God's will for our life and we want to experience God's best for our life, then we have to adjust our life to God's will. And that's what I want to talk about today. How? How do we adjust our life to God's will as we continue this Experiencing God series? We've been learning that God has a plan and he has a purpose for our lives. But a lot of times we miss God's plan. When we do discover what God wants us to do with our life, it always requires an adjustment on our part because we cannot stay where we are right now and go with God where he's leading us or where he's going. That's kind of the main idea today or the sermon in a sentence. Or if I was giving you the cliff notes on the cliff notes, we cannot stay where we are right now and go with God. It's impossible. We have to make a change in our life to move to where God is. That's our experiencing God reality number six. Will you fill this in? I must make major adjustments in my life to join God in what he's doing. We say, hey, I want to experience God's will for my life. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to experience God's blessing for my life, his best for my life. Well, if so, then this reality is going to apply. I must make major adjustments in my life to join God in what he's doing. If we want to follow Jesus, we're going to have to make some adjustments. We cannot stay where we are and go with God. Now, this won't always be easy. Because for some of us here, last week we started talking about this crisis of belief. There are some of us here who you already know that God is asking you to do something. And what we talked about last week is God's plan is seldom, if ever, our plan. God doesn't come up and say, hey, Jerry, man, you, I just want you to keep doing your plan. God almost always comes up and says, hey, Jerry, I need you to stop doing what you're doing, and I want you to come follow me and do what I have planned for you. To do what God's asking us to do, it's going to require us to make an adjustment of at least something in our life. It's going to require us to make a change, and we don't love change. It's going to require us maybe even to make a sacrifice, not our favorite word. And that's the question that I want us to wrestle with today, all of us, ask ourselves, is there an adjustment that God is asking me to make in my life today? I'm going to even encourage you to ask God directly that question, to pray it to him. Say, God, is there an adjustment you want me to make now? Sometimes we feel like God doesn't answer our prayers, but I promise you, if you pray that kind of a prayer to God, God, show me where you want me to make a change. He will answer your prayer. To get you where he needs you to be in order 
so he can bless your life and you can accomplish his will for your life. Now, for, for some of you, that adjustment might mean you need to get out of an unhealthy relationship that God's been kind of putting his finger on and saying, yeah, this isn't good for you. Or it may mean you need to stop drinking so you can have a clear, a clear mind. For some of you, you may be cutting back on some hobby that's interfering in your relationships so you can spend more time with your spouse or with your kids or your grandkids or something. Here's the point. You can't stay where you are and go with God where he's leading. Because when God invites you to join him, it always requires an adjustment or a tweak or a sacrifice. Now, it might be something really small. It could be something really big. But it always requires an adjustment. And that adjustment, it is always worth it, even though it can be scary and intimidating when we first are approaching it. That's why Romans 12, 1, at the top of your outline there, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he pleads with them to adjust their lives to God's will, to make the necessary sacrifices so that they can live the kind of life that God wants to bless. Let me read you Romans 12, verse 1. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice. There's that word. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So I don't want this to just be an intellectual exercise for us today. I don't want you to just leave with some knowledge, like, well, that's good to know, kind of a sermon. Instead, I'd like to make this as practical as possible in our own lives. So I want us to consider this as we go through today. I want us to consider asking ourselves this question. Is there, is there an adjustment that God is asking me to make in my life right now? Maybe you already have a good idea of what God wants you to do, but for some reason you can't get there from here. You have to make that adjustment first. You have to give up something you're holding on to in order to embrace or to catch or to take on what God wants to bless you with or what his plan is for you. Or maybe it is you don't have to give up something, but you need to add something. To your life. That's going to cause you to have to make some room in your schedule. Because all of us are, we all have a full schedule. Anybody have nothing to do? Anybody, you're just sitting around going, man, I'm just so bored, God. Would you please give me something to do? He'll answer that prayer to you. So think about the adjustment that God is asking you to make. And also think about the cost of not making that adjustment. In other words, why you can't, you cannot afford not to make the adjustment. So I'd like you to write down four of these Oh, there's five. Five of these, how do I adjust my life to God's will steps? And if I haven't mentioned already, these are the advanced steps. These are the ones where one or two of these might be like, I can do that. But boy, when we get to some of these, you're going to be going, wow, that's, uh, I hear what you're saying, Jerry. I don't know if I'm ready to do this yet. I'm going to encourage you to take these steps today, that today can be a defining moment for your life. So here's the first way. How do I adjust my life to God's will? Here's the first way. Fill this in. I acknowledge 
God's will is better than my will. Whose who's will is better? Whose plan for your life is better, God's plan or your plan? Well, it's easy for us on a Sunday morning, especially especially with other people kind of looking around, it's easy for us to go, oh, God's plan is better than my plan. God's will is better than my plan. Oh, really? Because before I can adjust my will to God's will, I have to make this mental decision or acknowledgement that God's will really is better than my will. Have you ever noticed that what God thinks is the best and what I think is the best, they're, they're often not in sync. Have you ever noticed that? That what God tells me to do and he wants, when he tells me what he wants me to do, it's not always what I want God to want me to do. I would like God to want me to do what I'm already doing. I would like God to want me to, here, Jerry, here, enjoy this. Here, Jerry, here's what I want you to, to do with it. But often what my plan is, what I would like God to want me to do, and what he really wants me to do are two different things. There's often a conflict. That's why before I'm ever going to be able to adjust my life to God's will, I have to really wrestle with this question and understand and acknowledge I really do believe that God's plan for my life is better than my plan. God's will for my life is better than my will. Here's what Isaiah 55 says. This is God's words. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are are higher than your thoughts. God knows more than we know. That should be easy for us. God sees further into the future than we see. How far in the future do you see, by the way? None into the future. I mean, even if you look at the weather today, you might think you know what's going to happen in a couple hours, but we already know. You can't trust the weather app. This is why I've always told my kids when they've got a decision to make, that you've got to ask God, what do you want me to do? I said, I appreciate you coming to your, to your dad and asking you for advice, but I'm not much smarter than you, certainly not as smart as God, and I don't know the future at all. God's the only one who knows the future, and he knows everything. So instead of asking your earthly dad, you've got to ask your heavenly father, what do you want me to do? He's the only one who knows the future. He's the only, he's the only one who knows everything. The more I can understand or acknowledge or accept that God's plan is better than my plan, the easier it is for me to adjust my life to his will. Because often what he's asking us to do when this adjustment, it's going to be costly. It's going to cost us something. Or it's going to be costly to, to those around us. You see, I don't know if you realize this, but when you follow God's will, it's not always sunshine and rainbows and gumdrops and puppies. I don't know if you realize that or not. God, God's will is not for everybody to just hit the lotto this week. Have you figured this out? Some of you have prayed for those numbers. You feel like God gave you a number and nothing. Because that's not the way life is. When God asks you to do something and adjust your life to him, sometimes, oftentimes, there's a sacrifice. And often that sacrifice, a word we don't love, it's costly to us and to those around us. It might cost you money. It might cost you popularity. 
It might cost you security. It might cost you comfort. Because God's more interested in our character than our comfort. It might even cost you a relationship that you care about. We face this decision. Am I going to stay here where it's safe? Because I'm afraid of losing something. I'm going to stay here. Am I unwilling to adjust to come over here where God's will is? Do I really trust that God's will is best? And that this sacrifice that I'm going to have to make, my time, my money, my effort, my reputation, whatever it is, is going to be worth the cost? That a future in God's will is going to be better than my current life, my present circumstances? And that brings us to a question. We have to ask ourselves, the question is, am I, am I living my life scared? Am I afraid to follow God? Am I afraid to adjust my life? Am I afraid to experience His will, His plan for my life? Maybe you're in that spot where you just won't listen to God and you won't get out of this unhealthy relationship because, quite frankly, you're afraid that God won't bring somebody better into your life than, than this guy. You'd rather deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't know kind of a, kind of a thing. Or maybe... You won't tithe because you're afraid there's not going to be enough money at the end of the month. Or you won't try this new career path because you're afraid that you'll fail if you try that. Or your security will disappear. If we live our life afraid and we hold on to what we know, what we can be sure of is we'll never experience God's plan, God's will, God's best God's blessing for our future. Instead of trusting God, we're tempted to hold on to this lesser than kind of life. And we end up missing out on real life. Adjusting our life to God is always worth the cost, but there's a cost. It's always worth the cost because we get to experience God's best for our life. That's why you've got to settle, number one, that God's plan is the best plan. And I have to ask myself this question. Is there an adjustment that God wants me to make? Because when I get to the end of my life, if I've made these adjustments, then I'm going to have a life of no regret. I'm going to be able to look back over my life and say, you know what, I live the most full, the most fulfilled, the most significant, the most joyful life possibly, possible, because I made those adjustments. So, I want you to know you can trust his will and that his will is better than your will and my will. And that's why when I struggle with that, I love praying this next verse. Great verse for us all to memorize is Psalm 143, verse 10. Look at it there on the side screen or on your, on your notes. It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on firm footing. So first step to adjusting my life to God's will is to believe, to acknowledge that God's will is better than my will. The second step, ratchet it up and get just a little bit harder. Number two, I have to confess my sin to God. I have to admit and confess my sin to God. A lot of times the big barrier that's standing, like we're over here, 
and God's over there, and there's this big barrier between us and God, a lot of times that big barrier that's standing between us and God is some sin in our life. Now, what is sin? And, and what is the impact of sin in our relationship with God and us discovering or finding and doing his will for our life? What does it do to me? At its root, sin is when my will conflicts with God's will. And I choose my will instead of God's will. We do this all the time, don't we? It's like, God, I know what you want me to do. I read what you want me to do in your word. I know this is your will for my life, but no thanks. In this particular area or at this particular time or on this particular day, no thanks. Today I know better than you, so I'm going to do what I want to do rather than what you want to do. I'm going to be my own God with a little G. I'm going to turn my back on you, God, and I'm going to go my own way. In essence, that's the biblical definition of sin. And by the way, we live this out every day. All of us sin. We all have little things and then some big things that get between us and God. For instance, God might say something small like, don't lie. And we lie all the time. We lie to our boss. We lie to our friends. We lie to our spouse. Maybe we lie to ourselves every day without even batting an eye sometimes. Or it could be big, not just a little thing, but a big thing. Like God says, he puts his finger on it and says, I, I want you to deal with this addiction in your life that's been plaguing you for decades now. Instead of dealing with it, though, we just kind of keep it in our lives, hold on to it. We hide it from everyone else. Maybe we try not to think about it in the middle of a sermon like this. It's like, no, 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 I don't want to think about that. And we end up turning our back on God's plan and go, no, I'm very comfortable with this particular thing in my life. God looks at our life sometimes and he says, he kind of runs his finger over our life and he says, hey, Jerry, I've got this plan for your life. I've got this dream and I need you over here. But look at this. This is between me and you. There's this sin right here that's standing between you and me. I need you to deal with this. I need you to deal with it because as long as it's this barrier between where you are and where I need you to be, you're never going to know my will. You're never going to be able to do the plan. You know, live out the plan that I have for your life. Because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God's plan, from his presence, his power in our life. So how do I make this adjustment? How do we deal with that sin? You guys are asking such great questions. Acts 3.19 tells us what we've got to do. It says, now, repent, another word we don't love. Let's circle the word repent, because we've turned this word repent into a big scary word. It's not as scary as it seems. I'll talk about that in a second. It says, now, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. What does repent mean? Because when we look at the word repent, most of us, we think of, if you're like me, you think of that guy with the crazy eyes and the crazy hair and the long, you know, ZZ Top or Duck Dynasty beard. And, and he, he's out there with a sandwich board and it says, repent, the end is near, right? And you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with that crazy guy. So repent because he uses the word or that kind of person uses the word with his long crooked finger. So repent, 14 syllables. We're like, that's not a comfortable word, Jay, but what does repent really mean? When we repent from our sins, 
Repent simply means this. It means to turn away and change your mind, or change your mind and turn away. The Greek word is met now, and it means a change of mind. Literally, it just means a different mindset. When we repent from our sins, what we do is we change our minds and we turn away from them. We say, here's what we say. We say, God, I acknowledge, I know, your way is better than my way. Your will is better than my will. God, I admit it, I've been living according to my will. I've been doing what I want to do. And I'm going to change my thinking and turn away from doing the thing that I wanted to do. And I'm going to follow you and align my life with you. That's what it means to repent. It's just a changing of your mind and a turning away. When I repent, I first admit I was wrong. I can say, hey, I was wrong. And God, you were right. That's not that hard. By the way, it's almost always God. Well, God was right, always. And when we're in conflict with that, it's always also accurate to say I was wrong. So this isn't that big of a surprise to us. And then I confess that God is right. God, you're right. I agree with him and I align myself with his, with his plan. So let me ask you a personal question. Another one. Is there a sin in your life right now that might be standing between you and God, between God's will and your will, between God's best plan for your life and your plan for your life? Is there something in your life right now that God, when he runs his finger over your life, says, I need you to deal with this? Might be big, might be small. Where you say, God, I admit, this is the wrong thing going on in my life right now, and I confess your way is the right way. And if you'll do that, the Bible says that God is faithful and he will restore you every time and forgive you every time. That the wall of sin that stands between us and God will come crumbling down and we will experience God's presence and his power and his peace in our life. 1 John 1, 9 is a very famous verse about this. It says this, but if we confess our sins to him, He's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Some translations say all unrighteousness. If right now as we're going through this, God's kind of, you know how God is. He's just kind of tapping at one area. He just kind of keeps bringing this one thing up. He's kind of tugging your heart about this sin in your life that it's standing between you and him. It's standing between his will for your life knowing and doing his will, then I want to challenge you today, before you leave here today, that you kind of make an adjustment. You kind of make an acknowledgement. You kind of do the repent thing. You, you change your mind and you agree with God, hey, this is a problem. I'm going to work on this. And make it right. Make, I'm going to encourage you, as we pray at the end, to make a change in dealing with that sin in your life so that you can live out God's best plan for your life. That's his, that's his will for you. Remember, we can't stay where we, where we are and go with God. We have to make an adjustment. So we can't let this sin kind of be a barrier between us knowing and doing God's will in our life. So I acknowledge God's best. If I'm going to adjust my life to God's will, I acknowledge that God's best, God's will is best for my life, and I 
admit and confess my sin to God. And then number three, let's ratchet it up even more. I mentioned this was advanced, right? I have to abandon any idol in my life. Abandon any idols in my life. Now, like the word repent, idol is not a word that we like to use very often. It's another one of those terms we don't use that much today. I want to try to explain what an idol is, what is an idol in our life. Sometimes adjusting to God's will in our life means we have to let go of something. Something in our, Now, I don't mean like in the Old Testament. You know in the Old Testament, they, the children of Israel, when Moses was on the, uh, the mountain, Mount Sinai, they, he came down, they had melted all this gold, they had created this golden calf, they were bound down and worshiping this golden calf. I, I, don't have any, I don't have any inkling of an idea that any of you have done that. You didn't go home and melt all your gold jewelry down and make this little calf, or for some of you, you got the Mr. T says, so you, got the big, you got the big calf made out of all your gold chains. I don't think anybody has done that, that you don't go home and worship the golden calf at your house. Um, what, what do we mean by that then? Well, here's a good definition. An idol is anything that if God were to ask you to give it up, you would either not be able to, you wouldn't give it up, or you'd be very hesitant to give it up. An idol is anything that God would ask you to give up that either you wouldn't give up or you'd be very hesitant to give it up. And God says, Jerry, I want you to give this up. And you're like, oh, not that, God, not that one thing, no, God, you know. Or I know, I know we've been talking about this, but I'm not willing to give that up. Not yet or not today or someday, Lord, maybe, kind of a thing. That's an idol. We want to live our lives in such a way that when God says, hey, I want you to go, we're ready to go. Hey, I want you to follow me. I'm ready to follow him. When God says, I I want you to deal with this, I'm I'm willing to deal with this. Whatever God asks of us, we're ready to do it. Sometimes that means we have to let go of some things. And I'm not necessarily talking about all bad things. Obviously, the sin that we're dealt with on point number two, those are all bad. But sometimes the idols that we have, aren't necessarily bad things. They're just good things that get in the way of God's best things in our life. Sometimes the adjustment that God wants us to make so that we can move from where we are to where he is so that we can experience his will, his plan for our life, is we've got to let go of something that we've placed at a higher level or a higher degree of importance than God. Now, the idea of getting rid of idols that we place above God goes all the way back to the Old Testament, to the Ten Commandments. It's actually the first commandment. It's in Exodus chapter 20. And you've heard this one before. Exodus 20, verse 3 says, You must not have any other God but little g, God, but me. This is the first commandment. God says, all right, you're going to worship the Lord your God, and you're not going to have any other God but me. Sometimes in our lives, we... We create these lowercase, lower G gods that we put above God in our life. Let me give an example of this from the New Testament. In Mark chapter 10, there's this young man. He's wealthy. He, the, the Bible calls him a rich young man. There's this rich young man who comes up to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, Lord, what must I do 
to have eternal life? Great question. Probably one of the greatest questions you could ask to the Son of God is what must I do to have eternal life? In other words, he's over here. He sees Jesus over there. He says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I recognize you're over there and I'm over here. What do I need to do so that I can be over there where you are? What, what do I need to do? And Jesus, because Jesus knows this young man's heart, he knew that he had an idol that he put more important than God or anything else in his life. That there was something in his life that was preventing him from embracing and following God's will, his plan for his life. The young man had made money an idol in his life. He loved money more than he loved anything else and then he loved God. So Jesus says to him, hey, all you have to do to follow me is to sell all of your possessions and give all the money to the poor. Easy adjustment, right? I mean, piece of cake, no problem at all. No, this is a big one. And for this young man, since that was his idol, it was so big. In fact, that's the thing. No matter what your idol is, it doesn't have to be money, whatever it is, it's a big one for us. Because whatever we put above God with that importance, to give that up is huge. So the Bible says that the young man walked away devastated because he wasn't willing to do that. His money was an idol that was so important to him, he was unwilling to adjust his life so that he could be with Jesus. Now, the problem wasn't that the rich young man was rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. In fact, I say to Pastor Rich all the time, everybody wants to be rich, you know? And there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy unless you put your money at a place of higher importance than God. I know people who are wealthy. They're, we would call them rich, and they're not even named rich. But they haven't let money. You're know, like, oh, this is easy. I could, I, could, I could give that. But you might have, even if you're wealthy, and you, you're, you might have something else that you've put above God, and that, that's your Achilles heel. That's your, oh, I don't know that I could deal. I don't know that I could give that up kind of a thing because it's become an idol. His idol stood between him. Money becomes so important in this young man's life, it kept him from doing what God was asking him to do. Now, maybe your idol isn't money. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe your idol is approval. A lot of people, they yearn for people's approval more than God's approval. They're always seeking man's applause and man's approval and popularity with people. That can become an idol. Sex can become an idol. Causes you to pursue meaningless relationship after meaningless relationship after meaningless relationship, and you turn your back on God's plan. For that matter, social media can become an idol. Now, I know I'm meddling now. But how many times have we spent hours and hours on our, on our devices and not even minutes or minutes in God's Word or spending time with Him? And when we are spending hours and hours on social media... But we have no, it crowds out any minutes or time that we have for God's word or for him. That becomes an idol. Just so I can tick off everybody for that matter. Cable news can be the same thing. It falls in the same category. If you spend 24 hours watching something, 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 something news, something, something news, three letter, whatever three letters you want to pick. But you have no time for God or his word, then that can become an idol in your life. What about a relationship? 
to where you put another person in front of God. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an illicit relationship. It can even be a family member. You put your kids before God or you put your spouse before God. You think your spouse is a God. That can be an idol in your life. Maybe it's your, maybe your idol is your job. Maybe you've become so committed to success and so committed to work that you don't have time for anything or anybody else. If you're not sure what, in case I missed yours, if you're not sure of what your idol is or if you have an idol in your life, all you have to do is ask yourself this question. Double dog dare you to ask it. Ask yourself, is there something in my life that's preventing me from doing what God is asking me to do? Something I wouldn't give up if God asked me to. If you can't come up with anything on your own, ask God. That's the double dog dare. Hey, God, is there anything that I wouldn't be willing to give up if you asked me? And I bet God will run his finger over your life and say, how about that and that and that and that and that? You got five idols. That, 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 and that, and that. You got five idols. The idol may be the thing that's keeping you from doing God's will and experiencing God's best for your life. 1 John 5.21 is a great verse. We should all probably memorize this verse. I love 1 John. 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. What a great verse. We cannot stay where we are and go with God. We can't hang on to our idols and go with God. So maybe the adjustment that we need to make today is to take whatever idol that we're holding on to our life and let go. So we can hold on to our faith and let go of that idol. All right, here's a fourth step. If I want to adjust my life to God's will, number four, even harder, I've got to accept the changes God asked me to make. Accept the changes that God asked me to make. Once I acknowledge that God's way is best, and once I confess, admit and confess the sin in my life, and I get rid of the idols in my life, then I have to accept whatever changes God's asking me to make. This can be really hard because we don't like change, do we? Even if the change is good, most of us, they tell us, oh, this will be good. This will be a good change for your life. And, you know, once you get used to it, you'll... But, man, when, when you, we don't even like to change the clocks a couple of weeks ago. Are you over spring forward yet? I find myself, it's like midnight. I'm still up. What am I doing awake? I should have gone to bed two hours ago. I'm still on whatever that other time was. I can never remember whether we're on standard or on daylight savings time. It's so confusing. We don't even like change when it's good. We resist change that comes into our life. But if you're going to experience God, if you're going to know his will and do his will in your life, you have to be willing to say yes to the changes that God wants you to make. Remember, we can't stay where we are and what? Go with God. We have to move and act. Galatians 5.24, the Apostle Paul writes, and this is what he says. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them. What is he saying? He's saying they've dealt with their sins and their idols. They've nailed them to the cross. Then what does it say? Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. 
Paul is saying if you're serious about knowing and doing the will of God, if you're ready for the advanced course, the AP class on knowing and doing the will of God, then you've got to follow God's leading and accept the changes that he wants to make in your life, including in areas that you don't want to change, including in areas that until this point, maybe up until this point, you've had off limits. Because if we don't accept the changes that God's asking us to make, at some point in our life, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. We're going to find ourselves living a lesser than life. We're going to find ourselves not experiencing God's best plan and God's blessing in our life. So let me ask you another personal question. There's a lot of these today, isn't there? What change is God asking you to make? What change is God asking you to make? Probably he's not bringing it up for the first time right now. You already know the change that he wants you to make. It could be a big change. It could be something small. Look, you can, you can fight and kick and scream and resist God's change in your life. Or you can choose to accept God's change and trust that, you know what? His plan is better than my plan. And I've already dealt with some sin. I've already dealt with some idols in my life. So I'm ready to embrace the change. You could make that choice. Well, here's the final step to living God's will, acknowledging God's will. I got knowledge God's will is better than my will. I confess my sins, get rid of the idols, accept the change. And then here's the final step. Number five, I allow God to control every area of my life. Look, God loves you. He loves you so much. He wants his very best for you. But you have to understand that your Heavenly Father who loves you so much because He loves you so much and because He wants the best for you, He intends to be Lord of every area of your life. The Creator of the universe has adopted you into His family. And He has involved your whole, the whole rest of your life in changing your character into Christ-like character. And when you identify a place, an area of your life that's off limits to him. Like if your life had all these rooms and you're like, okay, God, this is my public, this is my church life. I want you to have all the access to my church life. And I want you to be in my family life. I definitely want you to be in my parenting life. I want you to be part of my family, part of my, part of my family, part of my church life. And, you know, I own a Christian business. I want you to be part of my business life. But, you know, God, I've got these other closets and these other, and those are off, off limits. You know, I'd like you to stay out of this area of my life. And God, like, he just gets curious about, oh, what about that area? What about this area? Why won't you surrender that area to me? We know we all have those areas of our life. When you identify an area of life that you refuse to surrender to his control, I can promise you this, those are the areas that God's going to start working on and bugging you about and keep bringing you back to. Yeah, remember this area? Remember this one thing? Yeah, we've got to deal with that. And until you're ready to make the necessary changes to follow and to obey him, then you're not going to be able to accomplish his will in your life. You're not going to be very much use to God. Because he's got to have you be willing to surrender to follow in order to experience him. We're going to talk about experiencing God next week. The best message I save for last next week. That's why God says, hey, let me be in control. 
if you'll trust me with your dating life, if you'll trust me when it comes to your career, if you'll trust me with your finances, if you'll trust me with your marriage, if you'll trust me with your kids and your parenting, if you'll trust me even with your desire to start a family, if you'll trust me with your school, with the major, with your dreams, if you'll trust me with all of those things, if you'll surrender those to me, I will multiply and bless all those areas of your life to be the best that it can be. You see, folks, you can do this. You can make the decision to give control over to Jesus and to trust him in every area of your life. Because he's already given up everything for you. That's what our next verse reminds us. Paul writes again in Galatians, he says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. All my sin, all my idols, all my will has been crucified with Christ. I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus has full control over my life, and he's living through me now. Then it continues, So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gave everything for you 2,000 years ago on that cross. You can trust him and give him control of every area of your life. Because you cannot stay where you are and go with God where God's going. You have to move. You can't experience God, his best at least for your life, without adjusting your life. So where is God asking you to adjust and to join him? To be in the center of his will. What area? Is there a sin that you need to deal with? Is there an idol you need to let go of? Is there a change that you need to embrace? Is there an area of life that you need to surrender Do you need to really come to the place where you believe, yep, God, your best, your will is better than my will? If you look at our final verse, it's actually part two of the verse that we opened today with. We started with Romans 12.1. This is Romans 12.2. And it's a reminder that if we will adjust our lives to God's will instead of being conformed by the world, if we'll adjust our lives to God's will, we will know, and we're going to be able to live out God's perfect will for our life. He writes to Romans, he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. There's that word for repentance right there. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you want to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect, then you've got to allow God to transform your thinking. Don't copy the world. Instead, Adjust your life to him. That's what he's challenging us to do. Let's pray and ask him for some help. And maybe as we bow our heads and close our eyes, this is a great time for you to talk to God. Because we all say we want to know God's will and do God's will, and we do. But do you need to first acknowledge to God that his will is better than your will? Is it an issue of belief for you? Then just say that to God right now. Just say, God, right now as I pray, I know your will is better than my will, and I know I can trust you. Is there a sin in your life that's standing between you and God? And God's asking you to deal with it. He's been asking you to deal with it. But you've just kind of been hiding your head in the sand and not dealing with it. If so, would you just confess that right now? Would you deal with it right now? Would you say to God in prayer right now, say, God, I'm going to do something about this. 
so I can move to where you want me to be. Is there an idol in your life? Is there something in your life right now that if God were to ask you to give it up, you either wouldn't or you would hesitate to give it up? It's more important in your life right now than God's will. Would you just make the decision right now to discard that and throw that away? Would you give it to God? Would you surrender it to him? Is there an area of life where you're not fully surrendered? An area you've been holding back? You've been in control and you're holding on to it so tightly that you're missing out on God's best for your life? You're holding tighter to, tightly to a lesser than life? Heavenly Father, we love you. We want your best. Help us to make these adjustments in our life. They're not easy. We understand what they are, but we know they're not easy. Now, before you can experience God's will, the first step everyone has to take is to begin a relationship with God, to become a follower of Jesus. And make, maybe that's the big adjustment God is asking you to make today, to finally get your life right with him by surrendering your entire life to him, by believing in Jesus for the first time. If that's you, right now in your own heart, in your own mind, would you just pray and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm adjusting my life, God. I've been living my own way. But I realize now I want to follow you. Please come into my life and forgive me of my sins. And he will. He'll come into your life. He'll forgive you. He'll give you a home in heaven. If you'll step across that line of faith. Heavenly Father, help us all to adjust our lives to you. So that we can experience your best life. The best you have for us teach us these truths as difficult as they are help us to be willing to make these adjustments as we look forward to experiencing you in a new way as we'll talk about next week we ask all this in jesus name amen